0: horror court trash over the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema i'm gary and i'm chris and we're back in our for our uh, every once in a while bonus episode
1: yeah today
0: is friday the 13th of course it is it's also summer screams month that was really kind of the calendar people for putting this together the calendar The calendar people, calendar people. <laughs> Okay. Wherever, whoever made Friday the 13th fall in August this year, you've done us a favour because we've got two in one. It's a Summer Screams episode and it's a Friday the 13th bonus episode. We are discussing Friday the 13th, the final chapter.
1: Yes, although as with House of the Dead, um, it doesn't look too warm. It, <laughs> it looks warmer it than, looks than House of the Dead. It's slightly warmer. There's a bit of dimin- rain. Yeah, let's say <laughs> summer, loosely. <laughs>
0: Well, it's I mean, it's all set in summer. This, this, these first four films are all set, like, days apart, aren't they? Okay. Well, not the, after the first one. Yeah.
1: Two, three, and four are. Well, it, like you said, it just pisses it down in this one. Yeah, so. basically. Yeah,
0: um, yeah so uh, you may or may not have heard our previous bonus episodes. They were recorded a very long time ago, released a long time ago. It was a.
1: It sounded like a good idea to begin with. Oh, let's do a Friday the 13th on each Friday the Thirteenth that appears, which is great. But how many? How long have we been doing this it's podcast like, for? <laughs> It'll be two years next month. Two years next month, <laughs> and this is the fourth one of how many? Of
0: of twelve. <laughs> of twelve. Um, yeah, we might have to start doing double episodes for it. Who, who knows? I said. I think I said that last time. But here we are talking about one film.
1: Ah, uh, this deserves its own episode.
0: Yes. Um. So yeah. So we've discussed part one where. Jason Voorhees drowned, his mum come back for a revenge. Part two uh, is after his was decapitated, Jason comes back, wears a bag on his head. You he may recall all our baghead jokes. Part three, fancy 3D in the disco theme. Yeah. And now we go to 1984 to bring you the best film in the franchise.
1: Yes. Um definitely the best film. Yeah? In my humble opinion. And uh, it's called the final chapter.
0: But it's not the final chapter, obviously. This is not our final Friday the 13th episode. No, we've got another eight to go. Yeah. It's It's certainly not even close to
1: being the final fucking chapter. And
0: it's not even the only final chapter. We get another final Friday as well at some point in the franchise. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, they should have called the remake the final one because we haven't had one since. And it's been a long time now. Yeah, I don't think we've got enough time to go into the um, legal... Wranglings. No, but Corey Feldman. Yeah, but Corey Feldman assures us all that it's all over.
1: Oh, okay. And
0: and he's, he's a very trustworthy source, isn't he? Yeah. Bless him. He's, he's had a tough time. Yeah, directed by Joseph Zito, uh, the director of Abduction, Blood Rage, The Prowler, Missing in Action, Invasion USA, Red Scorpion, Delta Force One, The Lost Patrol, and Power Play. So you are
1: that's b-movie royalty then. yeah um the prowler is a fantastic slasher film yeah such a good slasher film uh missing in action uh in uh, invasion usa are b-movie classic action films uh, canon i believe they i are. think so yeah
0: um so
1: yeah the film's in good
0: hands yeah I mean, I'm sure a lot of those other films later on ham it up, but this one doesn't. If any film in the Friday the 13th franchise is going to even come close to being a scary film, this is the one.
1: Yeah, for me, and I'm going to say it now rather than the end, for me, this is quintessential slasher film. This abides by all the rules, and it, it does it a little extra. So the, the kills are gory, the characters are young teens having sex, they're obsessed with it in this film, mm-hmm. absolutely obsessed with it, um, so it abides by all those rules, but it also does that thing that not a lot of slasher films does, it makes them likeable.
0: Yeah. So, top notch. Absolutely. Uh, made on a budget of $2.2 million and it made $32.9 million. I mean, well, that's some success right now. Yeah. So, number one,
1: again, horror is the go-to genre for a low-budget big yeah. payoff. And also, that's the reason why this isn't actually the final chapter.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, they literally released A New Beginning a year after. Yeah. Um, but 1984, what a time for horror. Um, I mean, we were well into the thick of it by this point. Um, you know, obviously, Friday the 13th created a slasher craze, and it just evolves from there onwards. And, you know, by this point, we'd had Nightmare on Elm Street in the same year. This and Nightmare on Elm Street in the same year. Um, was Halloween uh, 4 this year, or was that later on? That's 88. 88, That's 88. We had Halloween 2, which I believe was very much a product of Friday the 13th you think yeah i think so yeah I yeah. mean, it turned michael myers into a slasher yeah villain. absolutely um, um yeah i mean in 84
1: there's some great horror films but in terms of slashes you know this is again for me quintessential slasher film and then you have nightmare on elm street which yeah. blew
0: it out of the park this is definitely where it peaked i think um i mean of course you'd have Dream Warriors, and, of course, Friday the 13th Part 6 later down the line. But, I mean, you had this, which is the ultimate slasher film for 1984, and then A Nightmare on Elm Street, which tried something new. That was, I think that's very much the peak right now. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be honest on the podcast. A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, is better than any Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. of, absolutely. By a landslide, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, but
0: Nightmare on Elm Street is top-tier masterpiece. Yeah. Everyone's heard our original Christmas didn't know. Oh um, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so getting into trivia, uh, Crispin Glover's in this. Yes. Uh, his... Is this the year before
1: Back to the Future? It would be the year before Back yeah. to the Future,
0: yeah. Um, his infamous dance Yes. Um, that he performs at the party was contributed by Glover himself and was based on the eccentric way that he actually danced in clubs. On the set, he was dancing to "Back in Black" by AC/DC as the scene was filmed. That makes sense. Yeah. That dance, you, if you put "Back in Black" to that, that is exactly what he's doing. It yeah. Makes a lot more sense. But in the film, it's edited. It's an edited version of "Love Is Alive" by Lion instead, and it looks fucking bizarre. It is. There's more to come. But then, about that.
1: the girl that he's dancing with, her dance doesn't match AC/DC.
0: No. No. <laughs> Yeah, her dance matches more of what's playing. Yeah. Um but they didn't know at the time that he was gonna dance like that. And you could see she is trying so hard not to laugh. But
1: even then her dance is bordering on dancing in the dark. <laughs> Courtney Cox, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, she's
0: she's given us everything. What, oh, I what, mean what can you know, say? that's my go so to. I mean, she's trying to give us she's trying to give us everything, but Crispin Glover's just not letting it happen because he's Command in that scene. It's it's true. All eyes on him. Um at 58 years old at the time, Ted White is the oldest stuntman slash actor to play Jason Voorhees. Now, I think Kane Hodder is a fantastic Jason. I think they did him dirty. I think they gave him the worst films in the franchise. Some of the worst films. But Ted White is the best Jason.
1: I'm gonna go on record and say. And this might get me a little bit of backlash, um, but I can never really tell the difference.
0: Well, with Ted White, like, he's... how different can it be, really? With Ted White, he's more relentless. Like there's no stopping him.
1: But but then I would put that down to direction. He was. Oh yeah, on. yeah. But if with anything, his build, I think I think with Jason, the real standout for me is part seven when Kane Hodder has to do all that stunt work. Yeah. You know, because he's re- he really has to, you know, go through it in part seven. So that's the only bit that would stand out. And when he was like, well, when they're in the interviews and they're like, well, I, I wanted this stance and I, I, I thought that Jason would move his hand in a particular way. Like, I didn't, re- I can't really tell the difference. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sure you do lovely work.
0: Um, but I can't really tell. Well, don't worry, Ted White, I'm on your side. I think it's <laughs> dead now, anyway. Um, yeah. He's going to come back and haunt you. Well done. Yeah. The workout video Axel watches is a RoboSize, size from 1982. It stars Darcy DeMoss, who went on to have a role in Friday the 13th, part 6. Oh, so it wasn't filmed? No, it was an actual, an actual TV um Film special, I don't know. Is it um, not st- it's just um, a workout video uh, called a Robosize with Darcy Demoss.
1: I thought it was like soft court
0: porn in a hospital. Well, he's watching it on a. I'm assuming a video cassette. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what makes it seem so weird. Is just getting off to an Robo aerobis- a Robo Size is just.
1: Yeah, but I mean. A workout
0: video. <laughs> but she's. She, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> Are you not thinking of the one later on that Stoned Guy's watching? No, no, no. no, okay. no not the vintage porn. Uh, Joseph Zito had previously directed The Prowler, but they wanted him to both direct and write Friday the 13th, part four. Uh, he was convinced he's not a writer, he couldn't do it, but they said, here's a contract paying you double to write and direct, and then suddenly he was a writer. <laughs> Zito used the extra salary to hire Barney Cohen to somewhat secretly write the script their process enti- in, uh, entailed Zito taking nightly 1-hour phone calls with Phil Scuderi uh, to discuss the story and the script for final chapter the next day Zito would meet Cohen in an apartment in New York to replay what notes and ideas Scuderi had offered uh, and then when after that they would turn it into script pages to be sent later that day to Scuderi in Boston to be discussed again over the phone that night okay cheating um it's a little bit i mean <laughs> i mean it's,
1: it's a slasher film is there really much writing that needs to be done <laughs> the writing, i
0: think the writing's good in this film it is the it dialogue, feels very self-aware yeah everyone makes everyone goes on about you know part six and i love part six i think it's the second best film in the franchise um and how that was the self-aware one this is very self-aware for 1984
1: yeah and also you know credit where it's it's the one for me that makes the characters more real yeah I mean because you've got the Jarvis family as well yeah yeah there's I'm more invested in the characters which okay yeah it's, it's good writing okay I'll take it back yeah exactly
0: <laughs> during filming um, Kimberly Beck who plays Trish experienced strange occurrences including the man watching her while she ran in the park and straining f- phone calls at all hours uh, and it stopped when production was over So very much the same as uh, Adrian King. Do you think someone involved
1: in the Friday the 13th franchise... She's stalking all the actresses. No, she... I mean, Adrian King's was after the film was over. But do you think that somebody who was part of the production deliberately did that to get Kimberly Beck into a certain frame of mind whilst filming? I mean,
0: I'd hope not, but who wouldn't surprise me? the 80s and Camilla Moore said in the Crystal Lake Memories book that she originally read for the role of Samantha, who ended up being played by Judy Aronson. She said it was a fun reading, but she was very nervous about the full frontal nudity required for the role and wasn't sure she really wanted to do it. Then suddenly, the casting agent stopped her in the middle of the reading uh, when they saw that she had an identical twin sister, Carrie. Uh, They said if her sister agreed to join, then uh, they'd cast both of them. Camilla asked Carrie, uh, who was excited about it, and they agreed. But then they learned that her new roles would involve nudity for both of them. Uh, Camilla was hesitant about that, but Carrie, uh, who Camilla said had always been more adventurous, said she had no problem at all with taking off her clothes. So Camilla agreed to do it too. And Camilla admitted that if her sister hadn't been there, there's no way she would have been brave enough to strip naked and swim in front of the mostly male crew. You only really see their
1: bums, don't you?
0: Was, not yeah. really. I wasn't looking that hard. It's say. I mean it, it's weird because it's not often you see it these days in horror film very rare you see it in horror films these days.
1: Oh that kind of that kind of new yeah, That
0: kind of like it's in the contract, you've gotta do it. Yeah. You know. And it I don't know, it just seems more seedier in the eighties.
1: Oh, of course. But, you know, it's it's knowing your audience. There's a different audience now. And because I think for a lot of people in the 80s, that was their chance to see a bit of titillation on the screen in the guise of a, a horror film. Yeah. You know, whereas now everyone's got easy access to the filthiest of uh, subject matters. So it's not, it's not. As titillating now,
0: no, no, no pun intended. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, very much like the case of that. You know, if she didn't want to do the nudity, and if, if she didn't have a twin sister, you know, would she have got that role just because she didn't want to do the nudity? Well, and no. It, but how necessary was the nudity, though? Not
1: very. I suppose, but if it's in the, it's a difficult one. It it is a difficult one because. At one point, you know, if an actress says she doesn't want to do the nudity, you should respect that. Yeah. But then also, nudity is part of the product that you're selling. Mm. You know, people watch a Friday the 13th film expecting kills and a bit of nudity. Yeah. If that's what they're selling, then they, you know, they should... Provide... It, it's a di- it's a really difficult
0: one. Yeah, I mean, by this point, they'd released the first three, so... Yeah, so... It, it should be expected going in. Uh, during the 80s, of course. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, it, it, It's it's auditioning for a role. If that's what the role entails, then you're going to have to kind of do it. Mm. You know, there's plenty of... Just because it's a low-budget horror film... Doesn't mean that um, it's any different to, say, something like Basic Instinct. Yeah. Where it was a role that required nudity, but it was a bigger budget, um, slightly more prestigious. hmm You know, so you wouldn't have Basic, in- basic Instinct without Sharon Stone's yeah. nudity. Yeah, it's true. It's part and parcel of the role. Yeah.
0: But I understand what you mean, like, how necessary is it? Really, uh, writer Barney Cohen originally wrote a scene involving Jason fondling Trisha's breasts, but the producers uh didn't want it. No, the uh, uh director Joseph Zito also disliked the scene because it made Jason seem too human and less menacing. Yeah, I think like, that would be Jason so unnecessary has to be asexual, like,
1: absolutely.
0: Uh, it's played for humour throughout our final chapter that young Tommy Jarvis is suddenly surrounded by horny teenagers renting a cabin uh, that he can see into from his own house. However, the reality of the situation is that those actresses were indeed very or partially naked. And Corey Fadman was still young enough that Eric Anderson and Kimberly Beck took him trick-or-treating the first day of filming. Okay. Since it happened to be on Halloween. There we go. So they shielded twelve-year-old Feldman from most of the bad stuff using tricky editing when necessary. Uh, what they could not control was the power of a low-cut top sans bra underneath. Uh, according to Foudman, in the scene in which Jodie Aronson's character bends over to greet Tommy's dog, unbeknownst to anyone, he could see down her low-cut top. Lovely. What a memory to cherish. Great later. This is our second Corey Feldman film this year. Uh, yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Uh, if anyone has watched his performance of Go For It since we last recommended it, please let us know. Is that the one where
1: the actual song features Snoop Dogg, but when he performs <laughs> it live, it features some really random rapper. That's the one. That's the one. Um, the
0: one um, where he's looking like the Grim Reaper at first and then turns into Michael Jackson. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, him and his angels. His, yeah, his, his angels, angels. His angels. His, his angels. wife on uh, on guitar. But, yeah,
1: bless him. I don't I don't think the eighties was a great time to be young in Hollywood. No. It's, it's had a
0: lasting effect. Yeah. There's I I mean yeah Corey Farman is a whole other subject but it's it's a complex one let's put it that way. Mm. Uh, it's been suggested that the only reason Tom Savini worked as a makeup artist on this film was so he could accurately age and properly kill the character he created from the first film. Yeah, Tom Savini's back in full force was with say. this thank, one. Thank God for it. Some of his most disgusting practical effects yet. Yeah, really. Is. I mean, still to this day, it's it's it holds up so well. It does. It does. Uh, rather than making masks, Tommy was originally going to have been an event inventor. One of his projects was a device made from a microwave oven which he would have used to kill Jason. Uh, some of this is seen in the final product in a scene in which he repairs a car. Okay. Kill a microwave. <laughs> Bonnie Hellman's agents told her about a possible role in this film, The Hitchhiker, uh, but then told her that she would not want to do it as there were no lines. However, she ended up taking the role anyway. Thank God. And it's probably her most famous role. <laughs> and she is an absolute gay icon in this film <laughs> munching down a banana with a fucking rainbow signs uh, on it but we'll get into it um, podcast regular Roger Ebert called this film an immoral and reprehensible piece of trash really? <laughs> like really
1: well,
0: yeah. like seriously it's just a bit of fun <laughs> but yes it was going to be morally correct a Friday the 13th sequel Yeah. what the fuck did he expect watching it
1: just don't fucking watch it.
0: Peter Barton was told as to taking the role um in the film by the powers of Matthew Star, co star Amy Steele, who played Ginny in Friday the thirteenth part two. So who did who did she play? No, Peter Barton. Who um, did Amy who, Steele play? Ginny! Ginny. Oh thank,
1: thank you. God's sake. Uh Peter Barton, I I think he was maybe one of the most I don't know how famous that show was. Um, But he probably had the most experience, because he was, in Hell, was he in Hell Night as well, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he probably the smallest role, apart from the hitchhiker mm. in the film. That's true. Yeah, he barely does say anything, actually, to be fair. He's probably the one with the, the least characterisation.
0: Yeah. Uh, Tracy Jarvis's fate and death would have been more further explained in a deleted scene that had been cut from the film. Uh, an alternate ending to the film, that you can find on all the physical media releases of this, uh, shows a dream sequence where Trish and Tommy wake up the next morning after killing Jason to the sound of police sirens. Trish sends Tommy to summon the police who have arrived next door. At that point she notices water dripping from the ceiling and goes to investigate. She enters the upstairs bathroom and finds the body of her mother floating in a tub full of water. Uh, bloody water at that. Trish lifts her mother out of the tub, prompting Tracy's eyes to open, revealing them to be solid white and devoid of viruses. Uh, Jason suddenly appears from behind the bathroom door and prepares to attack Trish and she wakes up in hospital um, in a scene that's reminiscent of the actual ending of the film. Uh, we've seen this ending, haven't the we? The reminiscent of the first film. Oh, rem- of the yeah, first she, film? yeah. Yeah, but also yeah. reminiscent of. What this she I wakes my yeah, mum in the bath? If she wakes up in a hospital in this. mean, well. she's
1: still there.
0: Um, yeah, I mean the ending has no audio, so it's it's hard to enjoy it properly on the special features. But I think it would have been a little silly. I think it would have been. I think it's for the
1: best that they didn't include it. Yeah. You know, the mum getting killed off screen. I think I think that works better. Yeah. Um, Oh, spoiler alert, excuse me. Um, But, yeah, I I do think that works better. I didn't want to see her get killed. Because the kills are so over the top... Yeah. It wouldn't have been nice to have seen the mum get, like, bludgeoned or her head splitting off or... Uh,
0: According to Ted White, some interesting facts about Ted White, uh, he and director Joseph Zito did not get along uh, during filming. He refused... To, uh, Ted White also refused to talk to the other actors on the set... Um, because he thought it would diminish their fear of Jason. Method acting. Do you think he was the one stalking Kimberly Bear? He probably was. Because he didn't talk to him. She probably didn't know who he was anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Corey Feldman was legitimately terrified during the window shot. Ted White didn't like Fadman... Calling him the meanest goddamn little kid he'd ever dealt with. When it came to the time to film the famous scene near the end... Uh, where Jason reaches through a broken window to pull Tommy out of the house, um, White got to act out his frustration. They had worked out the timing of when White would grab Foudman beforehand, but during filming, he waited a couple of beats to the point that Foudman assumed the stunt had gone wrong. So just as he let his guard down, White grabbed him exactly as you see in the film, meaning Foudman's screams of horror were completely authentic. Yep, yeah, that's a piece of the puzzle. <laughs> According to this white, Curry Feldman maintained a bratty attitude on set. Feldman maintains that it, this was due to poor, poor treatment by the director Joseph Zito, uh, and that during filming of the scene in which he attacks Jason with a machete, he was pretending that the sandbags he struck was Zito. Oh lord! Another piece of the puzzle. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> due to uh, due to the production's low budget, several actors had to perform uncomfortable or dangerous stunts themselves, including Julie. Uh, Aronson, who was required to remain submerged in the lake in near-freezing temperatures, and Peter Barton, who was actually slammed into the shower wall when Jason attacks him. Ted White uh, advocated for several of the actors, requesting that Barton requesting that Barton be allowed to use a crash pad and threatening to quit when director Zito refused to allow uh, Aronson to get out of the lake between takes, uh, which was so cold she started crying and got hyperthermia.
1: Bloody know.
0: Uh, White and Zeta ultimately developed a com- uh, bad relationship, should we say, on set, uh, which resulted in White demanding his name be removed from the credits, calling this film a piece of shit.
1: That's not. I mean, I mean, there's suffering for your art, and then there's just yeah ridiculousness. You know, and an actress shouldn't get hyperthermia whilst filming, especially some. And I, I know budgets are low, but they cannot be that no to put someone's health at risk like that it's so stupid especially in a
0: summer film as well you know summer screams up summer screams it's why they it's why they went trick-or-treating before filming began (laughs) in uh in an attempt at method acting lawrence monison uh who plays ted decided that he was actually uh going to get stoned on set when his character was stoned. I see. Um, which it just ended up with him being in such an intoxicated state that it was difficult to fully concentrate on filming. You can actually tell. You can tell, actually. Um, Come on, Method. In the original script, Tommy was supposed to decapitate Jason with a machete, uh, but the filmmakers decided against it just in case they wanted to bring Jason back again. And they, and did. they did. Spoiler alert,
1: two films later.
0: In an early draft of the script, Jimmy was completely killed with a corkscrew rather than just his hand. Oh, okay. Uh, And the body count is 14. Bloody hell, that's quite high actually, isn't it? It is. So getting into the film, after being mortally wounded and taken to the morgue, murderer Jason Voorhees spontaneously revives and embarks on a killing spree as he makes his way back home to Camp Crystal Lake. Is that not the premise for every single one of these films after part one? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs>
1: um,
0: we start with, I don't want to scare anyone, but I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason.
1: Oh yeah, Get a nice, nice little recap.
0: <laughs> yes, the this campfire what, scene from part two. This is what you missed at Crystal Lake. This is what I miss from horror films. I mean, Escape Room 2 recently did it and I fucking loved it um a, a classic previously on um yeah. flashback sequence where we get to see a full catch up and it's just so cheesy it's great it's really what i find
1: really weird to think of is back then um they did these recaps because people potentially hadn't watched the first three films mm. before watching part 4 yeah um, because obviously not everyone had a VHS player, they were quite expensive, VHSs weren't cheap. I mean, in 1984, I don't think they were, like, properly there. I mean, I wasn't alive. Um, it's difficult to think that the only time you could see a film is at the theatre. Yeah. Whereas now, I sit here in front of a mass of Blu-rays and DVDs. Yeah. It's just... it's So so we sit there and like, yeah. <laughs> Half the time we've already watched the previous ones before because we're yeah. marathoning them, you know?
0: It's 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 so good, though. It gives you... It, it gets you hyped up for it, I think, you know? I mean, when I saw that happen during Escape Room 2, I was like, fuck yeah, I am ready for this film now. Yeah. It's, it's back to the 80s. This is what we need. So... Also,
1: I was quite glad because I didn't really remember everything that happened in the first Escape Room. Wow. Oh, okay. It was nice to have a
0: little recap. Talk about ignoring art. I'm sorry, we watch a lot of fucking films. <laughs> um, it's hard to keep up. And it, it just gets better from this point onwards. So, you know, you get your flashbacks. Then you get a, an exploding hockey mask.
1: Yes.
0: Um, and the classic black background, white text, uh, opening credits set to the fantastic score. Um, the scores just get better all the time with this franchise. Um, they're so good. And then... No, it peaked part three. Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose. Um, But then we get something that I fucking also love in films is I love little connections and shit. You know, I I like seeing previous set pieces and continuing straight on. I I don't know. I'm weird. Um, This does that perfectly. So this starts after the event set, Higgins Haven uh, from part three. And they've recreated the set so well. Um, You know, Jason's in the exact same place with the axe in his head. From where he ended in part 3 mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're wheedling out of bodies, they're talking about the people who died in part three. It's such a great connection. Um and and the continuity before between these first four films is absolutely solid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I suppose it is, yeah, that's true. And I suppose it always is up until Well apart from the weird timeline between part one and two. Apart from that, yeah. Where Jason Seemingly grows up by like twenty
0: years. I think whatever. there's some. I swear we explained that on our episode. We might have. We might um, have. but uh, when you get up until, I think it's like Jason Takes Manhattan. Up until that point, the continuity just carries on going, and it's it's connected really well. And well, apart from the whole Tommy Jarvis stuff, I think I'm being too kind. Of, the first four, the first. I four. was gonna say. I'm being too kind. Roy. Roy. Uh. <laughs> like really. <laughs> if you took out part five, then part four and part six go together perfectly. Yes, yeah, I suppose they do, yeah. Um. But yeah, so it's the night after the events of Higgins Hagen. the police are cleaning up the grounds. <laughs> Dude, it's
1: Friday the 13th really don't matter that much, they just throw them out there. Yes, okay, I'm
0: sorry that I get excited about okay. continuity. Uh, Jason Voorhees' body, uh, believed to be dead, is taken to the morgue. At the hospital, a girl is being comforted by her parents... Is it Chris from part three? We'll never know. Because everyone asks that question and it's never been revealed. Oh, I suppose so.
1: Yeah, it could be her. It makes
0: sense, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, she's got different hair. Much flatter. Axel. Um, did you not notice at the cleaning at the bar where they said, what's wrong with him? He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and also they said, he got seven kids and three bikers. <laughs>
0: This is Ada. Three bikers. Oh, no, not the bikers. I mean, they, they were just... Uh, they are probably just as confused as to what the bikers were doing as what everyone else yeah, was watching the first film. Yeah. So, oh, he he got, got seven kids and three racial stereotypes. Oh, uh, yeah. God. <laughs> um, Axel, a member of staff at the hospital, discusses how a corpse is cute... Because he's mistaken. He thinks he's in a Rob Zombie film, clearly. Yeah, he's eating some sort of cream cake or something. Yeah. Is it like a pineapple upside down cake
1: or something? <laughs> pineapple Maybe. apple turnover.
0: He chats up Nurse Morgan and asks her to meet him in the cold room. And she says, Axel, I'm not going to fake any more orgasms for you. Yeah, apparently she is, though. Oh, um, yeah, she's fully willing to. Yeah,
1: she's going to. Um, she <laughs> goes into the room with Jason's body in. And the TV is on and some pervy aerobicised video. Quarter <laughs> oversized, Of a woman shaking her ass in a three-way mirror is playing. <laughs> so this is where I thought this was this wasn't a real thing. Because she's shaking her ass <laughs> and in a three-way mirror. It's like the Rihanna SOS video. <laughs> but it's a woman in aerobics gear shaking a booty. And the camera goes really close to the booty. So I just thought it was filmed for Friday the 13th, part four. No, this is... But this was a real thing that was on TV. This is like
0: the Natalie Cassidy exercise video. Oh, shit. It is. And <laughs> Bev Callard. Yeah, this is exactly like that. Um, you know, it's just getting people to exercise by shaking her ass in the camera shaking her
1: ass in a free main room <laughs> in a <free> main
0: mirror. <laughs> um, but Axel's a bit of a weirdo so he's not watching it to get fit um, he's watching it to get off because I mean that's the best he could get those days apparently um, they switch it off to watch yeah, the yeah you news. know what I
1: was saying about horror films and <laughs> uh, titillation he's having to get off to a bloody a size video bloody hell and I'm sure many people have done it to Natalie Cassidy as well <laughs> Well, I thought it was more in, in keeping with Lanier Quigley's exercise video. Yeah, but people come here for British
0: culture. They come to listen to this podcast for oh, British culture. Um, they switch off the uh, aerobicized video to watch the news. And when uh, it's, they talk about how Jason's been taken to their hospital, Nurse Morgan's like, yay! And she's <laughs> wow, like, wow, okay, today. calm down. Uh, excuse <laughs> me, seven kids and three bikers died. <laughs> Um, they start making out. because She's so happy about this, and he switches the robot back on. When Jason's hand falls out onto her leg, and he says the exact line of dialogue: "Jesus Christmas, goddamn Jesus, holy Jesus, goddamn Christmas shit." I
1: don't. <laughs> and we we had the subtitles on for this as well. <laughs> it's very accurate. So, as so it so says. I don't understand why Christmas shit is a thing. <laughs> why it's would... a summer film. Well, yeah, but why? Why would somebody? What is Christmas? Isn't a swear word. Like what? I don't get it. <laughs> what the fuck is that about? Um, and in my favourite. That's what. Um, what's her name? Ooh, Donald Trump's what? Melania. Yeah. No, she's <laughs> like, oh, she Christmas. Christmas shit. <laughs> Fucking Christmas shit.
0: Um, and one of my favourite dialogue exchanges. Axel says, "Where are you going?" And Nurse Morgan says, "I will tell you where I'm going. I'm going crazy." <laughs> I quite like these
1: characters, they've lasted longer. <laughs> it's all because Jason's hand dropped out of his fucking bed. Yeah. <laughs> so she storms off to the storeroom and drops a glass jar with medicine in. Yes. Or whatever. Uh, Axel sits down to watch his pervy video. <laughs> and Jason kills him in a really great kill. Yeah. Um, with a saw to his neck but twists his head
0: as yeah. he cuts with the saw. It is so And his head twists gory. like 180, doesn't it? It's yeah. So, so good. I remember watching this for the first time, and it, it took me by surprise, because, I mean, the first three are gory. Yeah. But this was fucking, like, next level. And that's just the first kill. Yeah. Uh, and it's all thanks to Tom Savini's effects, because he makes it look real. <laughs> yeah, so the first three were gory, but they didn't...
1: The special effects didn't hold up as as well as this one. Yeah. Like, the special effects still, to this day, look great. There's a couple of iffy ones.
0: But to this day, they still look so good. Yeah. Uh, after this, he guts Nurse Morgan with a scalpel. <laughs> after she says, Read my lips! Leave me alone! <laughs> <laughs> <What? What? laughs> I really wish Nurse Morgan managed to get her own film. It would have been great. She, yeah, yeah. What else was she in? Was she in something else? Was she in Back to the Future?
1: Oh, yeah, she was, yeah, but she was just um, just a friend of Leah Thompson and
0: that. Uh, The following day, Trish Jarvis and her mother, Tracy, serve us some Gail and Audrey Platt energy and (laughs) go for a jog. (laughs) They're going for a jog. (laughs) Chris discovered this, uh, and
1: it will be posted on our social media. They're definitely giving the energy of Gail Platt and Audrey Roberts going for a walk around the lake. Yeah. Um, yeah, and nothing much to just say about gossip. scarves. Yeah, just having a little gossip as they do a power walk. <laughs> Listen, Speedy Mums in the Morning. Yeah, speedy
0: mum, Sporty Mums in the Morning. <laughs> sporty Mums in the
1: Morning.
0: Tommy Jarvis is introduced, played by Corey Farman and he's told he needs a haircut whilst he's wearing a mask. So, off the bat, we see he's uh, obsessed with horror yeah
1: i'm assuming that all of these are from tom savini's personal collection because they're all i assume they are very yeah they are very good
0: a group of teenagers drive to crystal lake for the weekend the group consists of paul his girlfriend sam virgin sarah her boyfriend doug awkward jimmy played by chris mcglover and jokester ted ted is disgusted that jimmy broke up with bj betty And gives him a lecture on how he should have treated her right. He puts the situation in his imaginary computer and informs Jimmy that he's a dead fuck. Yes. Ted, um, (laughs) most likeable prankster from Friday the 13th?
1: Um, Yeah, I suppose he is. He's not a complete arsehole. No, um, he's not, no. But he is, he's the banter king, isn't he? Yes. He? Is. He's someone who would call himself the banter king.
0: Yeah, and, and Jimmy is indeed a dead fuck. Well, apparently not. Well, not by the end of the film. Yeah, um, if anyone's the dead fuck, it's Ted.
1: I mean... He, well, chance would be a fine thing for him. He's the only one that doesn't get laid. It's true. Has.
0: One thing that stands out in this film as well is the performances... Yeah. I mean, everybody does a really good job. They do. Um, for, again, for a, a slasher film in the 80s, you don't normally expect that, but everyone's really fucking good. Yeah. Yeah,
1: there's not... There's not... There's usually one person who's, like, really off. Yeah. And in this one, there isn't... No. Um, Even, like, Corey Feldman, and this is yeah. early on in his career, he actually does a good job.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean... Crispin Glover basically plays himself. Essentially. He's just a fucking weirdo. Yeah, by all accounts, (laughs) he just plays himself. He's an awkward weirdo. Um, That's why people love him. Uh, They come across Pamela Voorhees' tombstone on the side of the road. They do for some reason. Um, They've just been put up there. Jason just put it up. Yeah. Memorial at the side of the road for his (laughs) mum. And speaking of amazing performances, a hitchhiker holding a sign saying Canada and love. And the love is in rainbow font. What a fucking queen. I think I think she's uh, Absolutely lesbian queen. Lesbian queen. As soon as she's wearing a fucking Rambo bandana, um, you know, she is fully dressed for the occasion.
1: Yeah, she's given me what the love child of the hippie couple from part three would look like. <laughs> yes. She's dressed like a hippie, but she's got like that brow,
0: that black curly hair. <laughs> yeah, they, they drive off from it and they don't pick her up, and she turns a sign around and it says "fuck you" and she sticks the middle finger up to him. Well, they don't. So what? What happens is they drive past. Is it Sarah's
1: the one? Should we pick yeah. her up? Is that, oh, there's no space for her. Um, Ted shouts out the window, "Hey, got a sister? <laughs> rough, rough." <laughs> She's really harsh, very, very harsh, very unfair. And uh, then she turns the sign around that says, fuck you, and uh, gives them the
0: finger. She then sits down <laughs> in a bizarre series of events. She sits down at the side of the road, has, whips out a banana, she <laughs> takes a bite out of the banana, oh, and Tom Savini's hand grabs her, <laughs> yeah. and Jason stabs her through the throat. Causes a banana to fall out of her mouth. Oh, don't! From the back to,
1: and it stabs through to the neck. It's a, it's a a great special effect, as as all of them are, mainly. Um, but I find this the most disgusting <laughs> because this half chewed fucking <laughs> banana. <laughs> And a, quite a bit of drawl as well yeah. comes out of her mouth. And
0: I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. And she's became a core cool icon within this franchise just because of that one scene. Just because of that one scene. So, rest in peace, lesbian queen. The teens arrive and meet neighbours Trish, Tommy, and Gordon the dog, whilst Tracy watches them from the window. Uh, can we just appreciate the fact as well that the Jarvis mother is called Tracer? Tracer. And Trish. And Trish, so if
1: anyone's watched Barb and Star, uh, you know that Trish is the best
0: person on the it's planet. True. It's true, perfect name. Perfect name. Trish, Trish is the perfect woman. And and when paired with Tracer as well, it Trish. just they just sound like British characters. Tracey. They sound like they're from Coronation Street. Well, then you Street. Got Gordon. You, you know who Tracer is in Coronation Street, don't you? Not just Tracy Barlow. Oh, no, hang on, she wasn't Tracy, was she? She's Tracy in real life. Well, Avit. Have have it. Oh, she's Tracy in real she's life. She's tra- oh, okay. Tracy in real life. Oh, there we go. Imagine if Tracy Jarvis tasered Jason and was like, Avit. that good, that word. Tommy watches Sam get undressed uh, and make out with Paul in their window. And it, it, I mean, in the bizarre series of events for Corey and really, I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. He um, just starts acting like a fucking idiot. Well, there's a scene before
1: this between Sarah and Sam. Isn't oh, there? yeah, yeah. So they're in the bathroom, and they're having a chat. So Sarah's the virgin.
0: It's the mandatory slasher film, two girls talking about having sex, one of them's a virgin Yeah, chat. so we
1: need to establish that Sarah is a virgin, and Sam isn't. But Sarah's actually really quite rude. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, well, you've done it with everyone. <laughs> And then Sam's quite patient with her. You know, you'd give her a slap. Well, that's not true. I do, you know, I do it with, what's his name, Paul. Yeah. Um, You know what guys are like. They go around telling everyone that they've slept with you and they haven't. And Sarah's like, oh. And then, uh, like, doesn't apologise for assuming that she's this massive slag. You know, I would have been like, who the fuck do you think you are? coming in here I'm trying to give you some advice to make you happy and um,
0: you're calling me a slut I mean, I'd mean, i rather if she was just like and what at least I'd get some dick and bitch. what <laughs> we well, at least I'd get it
1: spoiler alert She just getting her revenge a little bit and <laughs> a little bit doesn't she Yeah. good old Sam um, she informs that Sarah and Doug are sharing a room but don't worry it's bunk beds, it's bunk beds.
0: <laughs> so I don't think Doug is her boyfriend no he is he is, she just doesn't want to have sex with him.
1: Oh, okay. She's
0: not ready. Well. Well, for now, for don't now. Don't pay
1: much persuasion. <laughs> <laughs>
0: she, she don't make
1: it till the end, so she's not a virgin. <laughs> but By she's painted out girl. to be that character. That's the she one you think third. she's going to be. Yeah, well, it's true. Because um, also, playing against type, I don't think Trish is a virgin. No. She was ready to jump on, what's his name? Very quickly. We'll get to that. Yeah, well, that's uh, a bizarre series of events in itself.
0: We'll get to that shortly. Um, So,
1: Tommy sees some knockers through the window. Um, He goes absolutely insane at the sight of a pair of
0: breasts. Literally, as soon as he sees them, like... (laughs) And then just, like, fucking starts jumping headfirst into his bed. Yeah, and I thought he was going to, like, start
1: humping the bed or something. He's like, do you remember that video uh YouTube, early YouTube, where that guy he gets his like Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, his what what's it called online? Um like Dungeons and Dragons online, what's it called? World of Warcraft. Yeah. He like gets he gets in trouble with his parents and they delete he he's put too much money on it. And he goes absolutely crazy. His brother set up a video. I think it's <laughs> fake, but his brother set up a video um a, a camera to record him going crazy mm-hmm. over his World of Warcraft being deleted. And he manages to get into his underwear at some point. He's ripped off his guy. But he grabs the remote and starts like shoving it <laughs> up his bum but like with the underwear and it just reminded me of this like just going completely crazy i thought he was gonna start <laughs> humping the pillow i thought he was gonna get the remote and start trying to shove up his
0: bum well i mean he's very much a child at this point so i'm glad he didn't um <laughs> i
1: suppose he is
0: yeah um he's like 12 um but is, is this
1: how you know what i mean have you never seen that video i have seen the video okay okay yeah. Um, you could have just agreed with me then. I've just described how it how would everyone to you. else know? <laughs> everyone not no. everyone's as old as us. But... Um,
0: yeah, I mean, is this how kids are at seeing tits? I mean, obviously, I can't tell you. You know, I'm more of a cop guy myself. But um, I, is this what happens? I don't know. Um,
1: I mean, I'm asking as the wrong person. In the so. 80- I was going to say. I suppose in the 80s, again, like I said earlier, this, um, you're waiting for it to come on... And a
0: horror film, if you see it right out your window. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, before before you can uh, get even more excited, Tracer walks in and uh, he pretends to be asleep. She notices the saucy goings on and uh, closes she the blind. A cl- oh, no, Sorry. Yeah, um, she start, down. Starts having a cheeky finger. She,
1: she, she knocks on the door and joins. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> Different
0: film. Yes. Um, Whilst going for a walk the next day, the teens meet twin sisters, Tina and Terry, um, and go skinny dipping with them. Tina and Terry, British icons.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's so difficult. (laughs) I wasn't getting a British accent, and then there's an interview with them for Crystal Lake Memories, and I was
0: like, are they British? How are you not getting British accents from them? It stands out a mile. Well, they don't say much in the film.
1: I did not. (laughs) I seriously... You know, um, I did not get British from them. I really didn't. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy doesn't... Understand... Like, like. They were giving me... Do you know what they were giving me? Lisa Vanderpump. Young Lisa <laughs> Vanderpump. But without the real British accent. So it was more like Doreen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Jimmy doesn't understand the concept of skinny dipping at first. And uh, when they tell him to join in, he's like, "Oh no, me and Ted can't come in. We've got no suits." Suits. <laughs> uh, but then he realizes what skinny dipping involves, and uh, once Ted gets his cock and ass out, T- Jimmy joins in.
1: Yeah, then this is an. fucking
0: one. oversized underwear. Oversized underwear.
1: It's a weird one. You don't really get this much male nudity in a slasher film. No, no, it's going all out. I mean, you were there next to me. Like I thought you were going to start humping the pillow. I was going, Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> but you don't. You don't see. You know the pack. The full package. No. But um, yeah, seeing like um, a men's asses in a slasher film.
0: I mean, it's making a comeback now. You know, it's the Suicide Squad, Possessor. Um, you, you know, know slasher
1: films no
0: but I mean in, in films in general oh cocking you know, films co- yeah, cocks that's... are coming back in apparently okay. back in fashion um, <laughs> Trish and Tommy yeah. happen <laughs> upon the scene what <laughs> it's true <laughs> yeah. they're fucking full on boners in uh, Possessor it's,
1: yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's the, it was the last great taboo of um, film and now you can't get rid of them yeah B- bbfc i
0: like allow it bring, yeah, bring, bring us those bonus. you're
1: watching the suicide squad and uh you know you know you're not expecting a cock and it just shows up. out of nowhere it's made me jump <laughs> and anyone who wasn't going to see the suicide squad who is now booking their ticket to see a bit of cock
0: i think uh, you're
1: welcome i think dc owe me a bit of money yeah. on that one
0: Trish and Tommy um, happen upon the scene, uh, and Trish is invited in, uh, and then she's invited to a party taking place that night. Uh, after this, Tommy says to her in the car, some pack of patootsies her. What the fuck is a patootsie?
1: Breasts, Gary. Oh, okay.
0: Breasts. Um, the car breaks down. <laughs> Dirty pillows, Gary. <laughs> Sam tries getting Sarah to strip and dip, um, but she doesn't want to because she's a good girl. So Sam pretends to drown and pulls her into the lake for a laugh. She did,
1: so she gets her own back for uh, slut-shaming. Yes. Um. What I don't understand is that before meeting um, the Vanderpump twins, mm-hmm. um, Sarah went back to get the car to drive to the lake. Yeah. So where the fuck did she appear from? (laughs) That's true. She was just suddenly reading on the... uh... (laughs) But she wasn't there when they all started skinny dipping. So how long was this drive?
0: It really didn't save her any time, did it? No. Uh, Afterwards, um, with the car still not starting, Trish and Tommy are out by a young man named Rob Dyer. Rob Dyer? Why do I recognise Rob Dyer? Rob Dyer's, isn't that... Oh, we do... Uh, products for gay and straight people. Oh, Robert yes. Dyer's. Oh Robert my God! Dyers, <laughs> of course.
1: Hi, my name's Jeff, uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm bisexual, and Robert Dyer's has loads of products for gay and straights. Yes, there's a a British and...
0: Christmas advertisement um, for Robert Robert and Dyer's or Robert Dyer's whatever they're called, um, and they just they're very diverse. Uh, they say equal rights. And they say gay rights, and they describe how all of their products are suitable for both straight, gay, uh, bisexual, you know, anyone. Yeah, I approve the message, but my... wow, cringy! <laughs> oh, look at this toaster. Great for gay people. <laughs> well, no, no, it's like, this toaster is great for gay and straight people. <laughs> um, but yes, I mean, it's, it's such an iconic advertisement. That the makers of this film, uh, Travelled to the Future, stole the name of the company, and named this character Rob (laughs) Dyer. They take him to their house.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Tommy forces him to join him
0: in this room. Uh, Yeah, this is fucking weird. It's a bit awkward. I mean, they just meet the guy. He helps fix their car by pulling a knife out of his fucking boot. That's true. He is fully geared up to hunt something, which he says is a bear. Bullshit. Um, Yeah, which
1: Tommy says there's no bear around here.
0: Yeah. Uh, And he twinks. (laughs) (laughs) And they take him to their house and he he goes in, he's like, oh, hi, Tracer. Um, And then Tommy's just like, come up to my room now, come see my room. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, go on then. I was like, "Um, okay, if I was Tracer, I'd be like, Rob, get the fuck out of my house while you do it. It is very Who are you? But they're
1: very open with Rob. Oh, very. His name Rob. Yeah, Rob. They're very open with Rob from the get go. Both of them are, as you'll see in a minute. Yeah. Um, But Tommy shows him all his special effects masks and uh, paraphernalia. And Rob says, Oh, these masks could be great for gay and straight people.
0: (laughs) I've seen a gay person wear that mask. And a straight person. Um, have you seen my hunting gear? Great for the gays. And the straights. He, after this, he... We're just
1: entertaining ourselves uh, now. I do apologise.
0: He leaves to go camping. Later that night, Ooh. the teens uh, begin the party. And then we get the iconic scene in which Jimmy asks Terry to dance and puts on Love is a Lie by a Lion. Um, which he thinks is Back in Black by SADC. And it it just happens. It happens. It's impossible it's hard to, to describe. Uh, he has two fingers looking like he's pinching something. Yeah. Then he leans forward. He lifts his knees up to, like, his fucking face. I. He genuinely looks like he's having some sort of fit. It's, it does. It's w- so bizarre. It's, yeah... It's
1: part electric shock. <laughs> it's part I've got a cramp in me arms. <laughs> part I've got a spider on me. I'm trying to get it got off. Spy-
0: yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Trying to shake the head. There's a fucking wasp. <laughs> trying to trying to shake the Greg's crumbs off me after yeah. my sausage roll.
1: But it's so, I and mean, then it, it sort of starts and stops, doesn't it? So yeah. Blah blah, 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 blah blah. Just like Back in Black, ACDC. <laughs> But I was, I was a little scared for poor um, T- Terry. Uh, everyone was just... Well, she was going to get a smack. It's so funny. Everyone's just dying to laugh at him. That you can tell. They're all dying to laugh. But apparently he was going around clubs in yeah. the 80s doing that dance. I
0: bet he still does. I mean, have you seen him? Of course he does. Good old Crispin Glover. Is he still going? Oh, of course he's still
1: going. I get him now, not back in the day, but I get him a bit mixed up with Gary Busey. Oh. With no connection there. <laughs> well, they're both men with floppy hair in the 80s. Okay,
0: I mean, Crispin Glover's awkward. Gary Boosie has just coped off his head like 24-7. Yeah. There's, there's a difference. Yeah, I, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, as if
1: Crispin Glover didn't have a line back in the
0: 80s. <laughs> oh, no, he'd have done something more obscure and weird. He'd, he'd like find a drug that no one's ever done. And <laughs> it's probably called the Crispin Glover. And it makes you dance like that. Ted uh, tries forcing himself on Tina, who's not interested. Um, but she dances with him shortly after. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Tina
0: is there for Dick, and she is not going to stop until she gets it. She is. Just not Teddy's. Just not Ted. Yeah, just first. Just not Ted's. Until she thinks there's a chance that she can't get anyone else, then that's when she has a dance yeah, with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she's determined. She is not leaving there. No, she does it to make uh,
1: Paul jealous. Oh, yeah, I suppose, yeah. The dig that she wants to get on is Paul's. So, obviously, they've all been skinny dipping. She's done a bit of window shopping. She has. And she realises that Teddy's isn't great. No. Paul's is the best. Jimmy
0: is obviously somewhere in the middle. Jimmy's um, somewhere in the middle. she settles for him. Spoiler alert. Oh. Um, Trish tells Rob about her parents splitting up, and... Uh, Let's him know, the stranger, that she has only just met a few <laughs> hours ago. <laughs> she lets him know that Tommy always leaves the door open at night. Yeah. Just in case it rains or if Rob fancies a shower. Yeah,
1: if you need if you need anything. Oh, um, Tommy always forgets to lock the door. Okay, number one, Tommy is a child. And <laughs> therefore, if he keeps forgetting to lock the door, why don't you check it before bedtime? Like, come on. Uh, number two, you shouldn't be telling a complete stranger who has a knife in his boots <laughs> that he can... A whole ent- bag of hunting gear. Yeah, that he can randomly enter your house any time he likes. <laughs> she is what we would call <laughs> Um And, uh, yeah, she's uh, lost her senses because yeah. a man.
0: It's like, oh, my bedroom, it's just upstairs on the left. Um, yeah. I wait,
1: I'll wait for you with open arms and
0: open legs. A jealous Sam sees Tina flirting with Paul and leaves. And uh, before she leaves, she says, Actually, I was thinking of taking a little swim. It seems to be a bit close in here for me. Yeah. <laughs> Tina stares at Ted to make him jealous while she dances with Paul. And uh, Jimmy suggests that he runs the situation through his computer.
1: Yeah, well, they do... um, Ted and Jimmy have um, a hilarious moment in the kitchen uh, where Ted's an arsehole again. And he does the thing, he puts his hand through his crotch of his jeans Mm -hmm. and says, well, you're just a dead fuck. And obviously...
0: Tina walks in. Yeah,
1: as as Jim is saying, you got the hot one of the two, which I understand is a joke, but it's really rude. It doesn't make any sense. They're identical. They're identical twins. <laughs> like they've they're wearing the same fucking shirt <laughs> apart from the colors of the shirt are swapped. Aren't they? <laughs> yeah. So twice. one of them so uh that's vertically striped blue and pink. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. On uh one of the shirts, the blue is wider than the pink, and then the other one, the pink is wider than the blue, and that's the only way to differentiate between <laughs> the two.
0: Um <laughs> that Sarah is it Sarah goes out on oh, the Sam, isn't it? Goes out um, Sam goes to the lake. Getting
1: a little too close in. Here. Yeah, she
0: goes to the lake. She goes skinny dipping. Um, and in a really brutal scene, I mean, even more brutal now you know she got hypothermia from it, mm. um, Jason impales her with a spear from under the raft. Yes, goes all the way through um, her stomach and then her back. Uh, great scene, isn't it? And if you thought that was brutal, Paul goes out to look for her, and he is stabbed in the groin with a fucking <laughs> harpoon gun and lifted into the air. He is. Unbelievable. (laughs) Like, this is one of the harshest kills in this fucking film. It's, yeah.
1: It's literally harpoon to the gonads. Yeah. And then lifted up into the air. It looks very painful. Yeah. I mean, I think it's that also knowing part of the film as well, where it's like sex will kill you. Yeah, So Jason is literally going to stab
0: you in the dick and he's Jason's just fucking waiting underwater (laughs) he's just waiting underwater for him what is he doing there all that time he's like okay they'll be out soon (laughs) (laughs) oh wait for them to take their clothes off they are getting it
1: (laughs) yeah like he stays in for a very long time so if you remember in Freddy vs. Jason the old uh, Jason died by water (laughs) how can we use that well he's got no issues with it in this film because he stays under that water for a very long time (laughs) Um, inside, Tina rebounds by slow dancing with Jimmy, uh, and they make their way upstairs. Well,
0: before that, uh, Rob armed with a machete at his campsite. Yes, Rob is carrying a machete. Rob, have the guy. I got
1: this, have I got this the wrong way around then? Probably. This
0: I, is... I had
1: Tina going up to the bedroom with Jimmy before Paul getting the harpoon to the dick.
0: Oh, okay. I think I don't know I've got it after either way it happens around either this time way, Rob. I don't
1: think it matters too
0: much Rob who now knows when he can get access, easy access to the Jarvis house is armed with a machete mm. uh, at his campsite and uh, he hears Paul getting curled goes to investigate sees someone walk by his tent and Jason just fucking broke the harpoon gun in half and threw it in his tent yeah he has actually <laughs> He's littered. He's like, yeah, it's a I can't be able to fucking carry this around me. I'm not going to use it again. I was
1: thinking that. I thought that this would have led to people thinking that Rob was the killer.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it doesn't, so. This
0: is very much the case now as well in the franchise where Jason has weapons magically appear. Like, yeah. where the fuck did he get a harpoon gun? Where did he get a harpoon <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, Tina then decides she wants Jimmy, um, so asks him to dance with her for a bit before inviting him upstairs. Ted, now high, finds a bunch of stag films, which he finds hilarious. Now, you might be wondering, what are stag films? Stag films are porn films made secretly in the first two-thirds of the 20th century.
1: Yeah, and when we say porn, it's literally, it's like um Silent films, just with topless, just women. topless women doing dancing, sort of ballerina moves. Yeah, well, yeah, ballerina moves and, and yeah, weird dancing. It looks Victorian. They're, they're dressed like they're Victorian, but it's from the silent era.
0: And this is very clear at this point that that Ted, the actor who plays Ted, is very high. Yeah, his you can see it in his eyes. Red. You can actually see it in his eyes. Um But he, he's having the best time watching these <laughs> stag films. Yeah. Um, Terry tries to leave the party early, um, but before she get on a bike and after she calls her sister a slut for getting some. She does, yeah. of her man.
1: But she, <laughs> she says it from outside.
0: Yeah. Well, oh,
1: you're such a slut. It started raining, so she's not even going to hear her, she's like, you slut.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, why am I, uh, giving her American accent? She's the British one. Oh, you fucking slut. You fucking sket! Jason, uh, then stabs her with a spear. Yes. He's got a spear now! He yeah, has got a spear. <laughs> um, Tracy arrives home and discovers the power outage. Uh, while searching for ch- her children and Gordon, she's killed off screen. She is blessed.
1: Tracer. Her. She is. RIP. Sarah suggests an early night yes. on the bottom bunk to Doug. She's not leaving... tired, is she? No, she's not tired.
0: Uh, and that leaves Teddy alone with his uh, vintage porn. It does. Uh, and then after this is when Trish and Tommy return home.
1: Yeah, from where, we're not sure. I don't know where it they went. It wasn't established where they actually went. Uh, Tommy, uh, Trish is driving quite fast. And Tommy says, Oh, the party will go on all night. Um, seemingly not, because <laughs> <laughs> everyone's gone off for a shag. So <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> there is no party anymore. And the party wasn't that. Great, anyway. No. <laughs> let's be fair. No,
0: it was, it was a very dull party. It wasn't a lot going on. <laughs> Not really. Like, the most action that went on before all the sex was, uh, well, Crispin Glover's dancing. And uh, Tina and Terry slitting open a can of whatever they're drinking and downing it from the bottom. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. like the most exciting thing that happened. Yeah. Um, Trish and Tommy uh, realise that their mother is missing. Trish goes to search for her and finds Rob's campsite. He slashes the tent open with a machete thinking she's Jason. (laughs) In a bizarre... um, Well, I say bizarre. It's bizarre for the poor actress who plays Tina. um, Bizarre series of events. Jimmy asks her post-sex if he was a dead fuck. She confirms that he wasn't and that he was in fact incredible. And the kiss he does here... This isn't the... We're not the only podcast who have noticed this. It looks so uncomfortable yeah. for the poor actress. He forces that kiss on her. Yeah. I, I don't know if that was expected, but the horror show podcast picked up on this as well. So I looked out for it the time after I listened to that and watched it. Yeah, it's uh, it looks uncomfortable. It does. does. Oh, crisping lover. Um, well, both of them are up for a second serving, though, aren't they, they? They are, yeah. Um, Jimmy goes downstairs uh, to show off Tina's underwear to Ted... Yeah, yeah. I know, I've got men are pigs. Yeah, <laughs> written here, um, and uh, and then he gets a bottle. Of, he goes to get a bottle of wine, but he can't open a bottle of wine, can he? No, because there's no corkscrew. <laughs> yeah, do you know what a fancy corkscrew is? A corkscrew. Fancy corkscrew. Um, and then on his last, hey, where's corkscrew? He gets his hand pinned down with the corkscrew. <laughs> Yeah. Um before Jason strikes him in the face with a meat cleaver. Just... <laughs> and this is again this is fucking brutal because his head is still shaking when he hits him with the meat cleaver. It it just it's so detailed. Yeah, it's great special effects. It really is. Um, I know I
1: keep saying it, but it's actually the probably the highlight of the film is the special effects kills.
0: Tina looks out of a window upstairs and finds that her sister's bike is still there. Jason then bursts through the window and throws her to her death, <laughs> crashing on the car. It's such a great shot of her. It's slow-mo out the window.
1: Mm-hmm. And whoever the stunt double is, um, actually, you can't see. You're not like, oh my God, she's wearing a wig. You know, it's yeah. stunt double. But she goes out the window and slow-mo's on top of the car. And as she's... You know lands on top of the car all the windows smash out don't they it's a great yeah. visual really great visual um apparently no one heard this though yeah <laughs> <laughs> no one heard any of this going on someone's this um car smashing <laughs> um but you know it,
0: it's a film i'll, I'll let them off um, it's revealed That Robert Dyers Is actually the brother Of Jason's victim Sandra Dyers From part two Dun 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 um, Rob further explains Which one is she? Is she the she's one She's the one who had sex ba- and and perfume Down the yes. knickers Yeah Okay um, Rob further explains that to, uh, to Trish That Jason is still alive And he came to Camp Crystal Lake To avenge his uh, Sister's death well, not Jason. Robert did, of course. Um, worried for Tommy's safety, Trish and Rob make their way back to the house. Ted continues watching the stag films, but gets a bit too close to the projector screen, and Jason stabs him in the back of the head with a kitchen knife.
1: Yes, and he like slides down, doesn't he? Yeah, cuts through. Another
0: another great visual. Uh, Jason, who is just having the best time right now, uh, goes upstairs, where convenient for him. Doug and Sarah have just finished getting it on in the shower. After uh, Doug was pushing up her ass on the glass. Yeah. She did. Talk about great visuals! Wow. Like,
1: I I'm assuming it's trying to be titillating, um, but her ass is like pressed against the, the window, and it's it's not. I mean, I don't think anyone could get away with that because it's just kind of like flattens it and yeah. squishes it out, and it's like, like a freaking pancakes. A splat. Um, yeah, Sarah gets out of the shower after they've, had, they've got it on, mm-hmm. to which <laughs> which Doug says, Sarah, I think I'm in heaven. <laughs> and Sarah says, I think I'm in love. But he doesn't quite hear it. Uh, poor Sarah. No,
0: instead he gives a performance, doesn't he? Yeah,
1: so she returns to her room in just a towel, and she starts to dry her hair with a hairdryer. He's singing something about tangerines. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get this song about tangerines. No. But, yeah, tangerine. um, He then hears someone go into the bathroom, doesn't he? Yeah. And he believes it's Paul. So he starts making jokes about, oh, dropping the soap there, me old buddy. Mm -hmm. Glad you haven't joined me um yeah okay uh jason then does join him in the shower <laughs>
0: he's
1: like shit soap where <laughs> but he is uh <laughs> it's it's not a drop the soap situation no. it's a uh squish your head against the wall situation uh, a, another great special effect yeah um he literally just slams his head against the wall
0: and Squishes it. Jason says gay rights. He's like, don't make soap and shower jokes, Uh, you piece of shit. Yeah, that joke isn't funny anymore. Um, Sarah,
1: who still, for some reason, has wet hair, (laughs) even though she's just dried it with a hairdryer. Um, She misses his singing, doesn't she? She she must do. I mean, conveniently, she's drying her hair so she doesn't (laughs) hear her boyfriend getting his head squished against the wall. But when she finishes drying her hair, her hair is still wet. Uh, (laughs) She goes back to hear Doug singing about tangerines. She misses the tangerine song.
0: I don't hear you singing anymore. Uh,
1: But finds his corpse instead. Uh, She tries to leave through the front door, um, but Jason forces an axe through it and into her chest. Yeah. Um, So poor Sarah. Um, You thought she was potentially going to be our final girl. But she gave in to her baser instincts and had a shag in the shower. And she died because of it. Poor Sarah.
0: Trish and Rob go back to the Jarvis house. Uh, They try using the phone, but Jason has destroyed the wires. And they decide to leave Tommy there alone so they can go next door to investigate.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So they go investigate and seemingly the bodies have been moved.
0: Um, Rob goes into the cellar. Now, well, before this, Gordon is like, fuck this shit, Gordon the dog, and just jumps through a window.
1: Yeah. No, I don't have that down, thank you. Um, Yeah, it's weird. Gordon just jumps through a window, and you get, like, a slow-mo of Gordon crashing (laughs) through the window. I don't know if... Gord, it I don't know what the intention was
0: there. Well, I looked on um, Wikipedia and it said that he flees by jumping through the window. He flees by yeah. jumping
1: through the window. Pun intended. Um, <laughs> I thought we may have had a part two situation where they, you know, when they just threw the cat through the uh-huh. window. Um, I thought we were getting a um, Jason threw the dog out the window, but it just looks like the dog was jumping out willy nilly.
0: No, I Wikipedia's.
1: It just just a, yeah. Gordon's like yeah, foot this. You're on your own. Um, yeah, good, good for Gordon. To be <laughs> fair, I mean, I'm glad he, I'm glad he survived. Um, Trish finds Doug's corpse, and goes to get Rob, who's in the cellar. Mm-hmm. Jason kills Rob in the cellar, uh, but Trish manages to escape with a machete. So yes. She managed to find her weapon. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rob's killed in the dark, really. He is. Um, so it, it's hard to Poor tell. Poor Robert Dyers.
0: Not sure what was going on there. It was a, it was a, well, it was a death that was suitable for straight and gay people. <laughs> Tommy's nosing through Rob's bag um, and reads newspaper articles about Jason. One of them has a sketch of what Jason supposedly looked like as a child. <laughs> Conveniently. Conveniently. Um, yeah, as Trish is leaving the house, she finds uh, Crispin Glover nailed up against the door. Like, crucified on a fucking door. Um, and a really great special effect. She pushes... Well, no, she gets past him. Then when Jason chases her, he just fucking rips through Crispin Glover. Yeah, yeah. And you see his arms get pulled off the nails. It's, it's really great. Um, she and Tommy barricade... Trisha and um, Tommy barricade the house... Uh, But Jason throws Rob's corpse into their living room, grabs Tommy through a window, to which Trish bashes him on the head with a hammer a few times, uh, and then crashes through their front door in a really great shot uh, and chases them into Tommy's room. Uh, And it's at this point where Trish is like, you know what, I'm here to be a slay queen. I'm going to be a slay queen. Yeah, she really comes into her own
1: now. Um, Because we we said about Chris in part three, about how she kicks the shit out of Jason. Trish stands her ground as well. Yeah.
0: Oh, all, in the first four films, the women, uh, the final girls, they really, really put up a good fight at the end. <laughs> Adrian King in the first one, though. I'm oh, sorry, she <laughs> kicked Pamela Voorhees in the vagina.
1: <laughs> what more could you want? Yeah but, yeah, but she has to do it, like, five times. <laughs> it's like, how many times am I have to beat up this old fucking cow? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and at least Trish
0: has, you know, she's got
1: like, a massive guy to contend with.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, Jason breaks through the door of Tommy's bedroom, and Trish hits him over the head with a lamp.
1: Yeah, 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 he breaks through uh, Jack Torrance style with an axe. Yes. All these tools lying around in these houses. <laughs> um, yeah, so she smashes a TV on his head. No, it's a lamp. No, it was TV. Was it? I thought it was a lamp. No, it was TV. She was, um, welcome to prime time, bitch. okay. Uh, Trisha's chased to the party house, and up the stairs. Um, this she's um distracting Jason so yeah. that Tommy can run for help. She throws herself out the window. What the fuck
0: is it with windows in this
1: film? Sally Hardesty <laughs> style, didn't she? Gordon style. Gordon style. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I Gordon style. Um, so she sort of lands on the ground outside, mm. um, in the rain in the mud. And um, she slowly comes to it, doesn't she? Yeah. So she's not dead. Uh, she slowly makes her way to her feet. Uh, Tommy is in the bathroom, wetting his hair for some yes. reason. and cutting it all off. Well, yeah.
0: Whilst looking at the drawing of child Jason. Yes.
1: Um, Trish returns home and she's fuming mm-hmm. uh, that Tommy was supposed to leave. Um, Jason joins them and she says, You son of a bitch, I'm going to give you something to remember us by. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. That is an ultimate Slay Queen
0: moment. And then she fucking splits his hand with the machete.
1: Yes. Fends him off with a machete. Uh, Tommy goes downstairs and he is a freshly shaven head. With, like, patches of hair. Yeah. And suddenly very pale and tired-looking. So I don't know what else he's done. I assume he would have special effects makeup. Yeah, he's really...
0: He's gone in full Jason from part one cosplay. (laughs) uh, And he uses child psychology, just like Ginny. Yes. um, And uh, he uses it long enough for Trish to hit Jason with a machete, removing his mask. Uh, But, yeah, he's, he's pretending he's child Jason to Jason. Uh, and Jason is stupid enough that he lets it fucking work. Well, Jason is stupid though, isn't he? Um, but yeah, so Trish knocks the mask off and reveals his face. <gasps> his horribly deformed face. Yeah. And uh, Tommy takes the machete and strikes it in the side of his skull, causing him to collapse on the floor and split his head upon impact with his face sliding down the machete. Yeah. Uh, again, it's absolutely flawless, these effects. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this this one's maybe looks a bit like a football. Like, what his head goes a bit weird on the way down, like a football. yeah. That's
0: even more disgusting. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then when Tommy notices Jason's fingers are slightly moving, he continues to hack at his body, screaming "Die, die!" Whilst Trish repeatedly yells out his name. Yes. And she's horrified. That is how you hand Jason's ass to him. Jarvis style. Yeah, Jarvis, Jarvis style. Um, at the hospital, Trish is visited by Tommy. He rushes in, hugs her, but then gives an evil look while staring into the camera.
1: Yeah, so she's questioning with the doctors uh, Tommy's actions. Yeah. And the doctor says, well, it, it, you know, it's perfectly normal. It's a traumatic experience, you know. He, uh, yeah, he went overkill, but he was trying to protect himself and you. Um, and then you have the, the, uh, uh, Tommy looking into the camera after, during the hug. Yeah. There's another, there's another film that's reminiscent of that, isn't it? I was. uh, House Halloween... by the Cemetery. Halloween 4. At the end, where they start screaming, like,
0: Aah. The 80s had this weird thing where they tried to make kids becoming killers a thing. Think, yeah. Um... But never followed up on it. Like Halloween Four didn't follow up on it with Halloween Five. No. Um, when uh, Daniel Harris did it, but much like that, this doesn't follow up on it. No. Um, you know, Jason in Part Five isn't Jason, but it's also not Tommy Jarvis. No. Well, maybe. And, but then at the end of Part Five, it does the same thing again. Yeah. But Tommy Jarvis never becomes Jason. No. Maybe the
1: Doctor was right.
0: Yeah. I mean, whereas part six, if you watch that straight after this, it'd make more sense because he's been um, in a home for a while. He's had psychiatric help. Yeah. Um, So it makes slightly more sense that he was more damaged from it. But yeah, and and that becomes a bit messy in part five. But uh, yeah, that's Friday the 13th, the final chapter.
1: Yes. The not so final chapter. Um, but, yeah,
0: like we said, the best one. Yeah. The best one. Yeah, absolutely. And it it is god-tier slasher film. It yeah. just has everything that you could possibly want. It's,
1: yeah, it's everything a good slasher film should be. Um, it's got heart to it, you know. Uh, I like having the family central to the film. Yeah. Um, it's got great effects. It's got... Um, likeable but disposable teams yeah. as well Um, Jason looks very intimidating mm-hmm. yeah it works it works it works on all levels yeah absolutely. you know this isn't rocket science you know it's and that's not what you want when you've got a bowl of popcorn on a Saturday night in yeah. front of the uh, TV and
0: whereas the first three you know they have elements that make them laughable at times uh, maybe haven't aged very well um, this is genuinely the scariest one. It's it's intense. Yeah. You know because they like like you said they build up these characters to make you like them. So when they're in danger, you actually give a shit. Yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that is Friday's the thirteenth, the final chapter. Let us know on social media uh, if you agree that this is the best one. Uh, let us know if not. Which one's your favorite? We will not be taking Jason Takes Manhattan as an answer. Uh, you will be ignored. You'll be blocked. <laughs> <laughs> um, We're Horracle Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horracle Trash on Twitter. I'm Delight ninety two on Letterbox. Gazmo two hundred and five on Instagram and gas ninety two on Twitter. I am Chris Barker eight two three on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe if you're listening on, on iTunes and like and follow on everything else. Again, tickets are on sale for our How screening at the Chapel Town House in Manchester for September the 30th. You can get those on Eventbrite now from the link in our bio on Instagram and everywhere else. Next week, uh, well, on Tuesday, we will be back with Cruel Jaws. Nice. Uh, and if you're wondering when our next Friday the 13th episode will be, <laughs> we'll be back on May 13th next oh. year for <laughs> Friday the 13th, A New Beginning.
1: And if anyone only listens to our Friday the thirteenth episodes, I'm sorry you've got
0: such a long wait till <laughs> the next one. Yeah, you've got you got a while to go. Could you imagine? Listen to <laughs> some of our other episodes. Yeah. tie yourself over. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yes. And uh, for those strange individuals who only listen to those episodes, we'll see you next year. But yes. for everyone else, we'll see you on Tuesday. Bye.